0: Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan talked to Chris Corradino, an accomplished photographer who has been a teacher for the New York Institute of Photography, Ansel Adams Gallery, and started his own classroom venture with New Zealand Photo School. We talk about traveling and staying local for photography, how creativity goes hand in hand with the camera, and take risks in order to grow your photography business and career.
1: Welcome back to episode 35 of the All Thor's Photography Podcast, and today we have a very special guest on.
0: Yes, we have Chris Cordine on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Um, just go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do.
2: Thanks so much, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I am a photographer living in New Zealand, in the North Island. Uh, I teach people how to take better pictures, and I've done that both in New York Uh, starting in New York at the New York Institute of Photography. Uh, And then I traveled over to Yosemite National Park and also led workshops around the world. Uh, And now I'm doing it here in New Zealand. It's quite beautiful. Uh, But my passion is outdoor photography. I love nature, uh, but I like all types of photography and teaching it also just makes me really happy. Uh, I find that giving people the ability to express themselves creatively through their camera uh, is just such a worthwhile pursuit. So that's what I do. Awesome.
1: yeah. Awesome. You, you've really kind of covered the entire world, it seems. So um, <laughs> tell me about maybe like one of your, your favorite locations you've lived in or uh, shot at uh, so far in your career.
2: Yeah, you know, I've been really blessed, very lucky. Um, I never expected that photography would lead me to these places. Um, When I started out uh, living in New York, I was just photographing like the local lake and the swans and the geese and just nothing really spectacular. But I just loved connecting with wildlife and and the natural world. Uh, And then from there, I just kind of got lucky and I put myself out there. Um, and before you knew it, I was working for a, a newspaper and that led to more opportunities. And the next thing I know, I'm sailing like across the Mediterranean, teaching people how to use their DSLRs. Wow. And, you know, on that particular trip, some, some spectacular locations were uh, these little islands like Malta. Uh, I never expected to be in Malta. And it was Uh, south of Italy, uh, quite beautiful. Another spectacular location was Iceland. If you haven't been there yet, it is a photographer's paradise. I mean, just Mm -hmm. off the chart when it comes to natural beauty. Um, Also with Iceland, there are no like major hotel chains outside of the major city. So everything is just really uh, natural. You're connecting with people. There's just small b and b's bed and breakfasts um, so that was a real highlight for me uh, but i find that the cool thing about photography is that you don't have to travel far to make amazing photos and it's one of my challenges is how do i create something awesome on a on a day-to-day basis in my backyard you know because i mean even now like when we have this pandemic and all this let's it's like Well, we can't necessarily travel all over the world, but we could still take amazing photos if we
0: use our mind and work at it properly. Wow, yeah. It's it's neat how you adopted that principle throughout your entire life. Like you could be in Yosemite, like you said, but like you'd still be in your backyard necessarily and just being local and just taking photos that way. That's really neat. Yeah, I'm a firm believer
2: in like the, the importance of personal projects. So, I mean, even as an example, if you're just trying to stay fit and healthy, you know, and you take a walk every night after dinner uh, and you bring your camera, you might be walking the same several blocks every night. Um, and you could look at that as a restriction or you could look at it as an opportunity. So, like, could you challenge your mind to, to find pictures and to see the potential in those several blocks Uh, on a daily basis? Or do you look at it and say, you know, it's the same old thing. It's kind of boring. What can I really do? So I like to look at it as opportunity and say, all right, here I am. Um, Maybe I'm in the middle of a boring parking lot at at a Kmart or something. But I bet you that there's something in that parking lot that could be used to create something spectacular and beautiful if you approach it the right way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that repetition of knowing your location well really allows you to get much better shots than if you were just kind of visiting.
2: For sure, and to see things like in different seasons, to see how they change, that's a big one. Um, But also just to challenge yourself photographically. So like maybe you photograph the same street 800 times, but on the 801st time, maybe you say, well, I'm going to try intentional camera movement, or maybe I'm going to shift my white balance into tungsten or incandescent and shift the light to like a bluish tint or maybe i'll try black and white or or something along those lines so you know i just like to keep those creative juices flowing and i find that the more i get out with the camera the more i see creatively
0: you find yourself like i mean is it just like the how am i trying to say this So you basically see everything in everyday life, basically, in like a photography standpoint. Yeah, you start to see
2: life as a camera sees it. Because as you know, the human eye sees things very differently than this camera. Uh, We take it all in and we're like, oh man, this is a spectacular scenic vista. But we're looking from the left to the right. We're kind of scanning the horizon. The camera just has this little two by three aspect ratio, right? So we need to kind of train our, our eye to see that you know, the way that the camera sees. And a lot of that comes down to like simplification, getting rid of distracting elements and all of that.
1: Yeah. You're kind of taking in the whole scene and then picking out the good elements of it.
2: Right. So to train yourself, and, and this is something that I teach uh, in my classes, which is just like non-technical. It's just boiling it down to what's really important here. What part of the scene really speaks to me? And once you identify that particular part of the scene, then you could work visually to bring
0: attention to it. What do you think like draws you towards the more creative aspects of photography? Like you said, lighting and composition uh, versus like the technical for a workshop? So the technical is important. I mean, there's
2: just no way around it. You know, if you want to create something that is pre-visualized you need to know how to do that so if i want my photo to look soft and sort of uh shallow as far as the depth of field i know i need to be at f 2.8 or f 1.8 or whatever it may be for that particular lens uh or if i know i want to show the motion of a waterfall i need to be on a tripod using a slow shutter speed of about a 15th of a second right so those sorts of technical understandings are important Um, but it's, it's only part of the game. And I feel like, um, (laughs) I kind of named it mind over megapixels. Um, you know, the technical details are important, but it's the mind that ultimately makes the difference because, you know, everyone has a camera these days. Everyone has a camera phone. Uh, DSLRs are getting more affordable. Mirrorless cameras are smaller and easier to carry. So you know, you go to these places and everyone's shooting everything and it makes my job as a professional harder in a good way. Like, how do I create something different? And and the technical is only part of it. It's the mind that ultimately
0: sets us apart though. Yeah. I feel like a lot of like workshop uh, leaders and photographers, they seem to like focus on the technical, like you're saying, but um, not everyone is that creatively, embodying of the work and everything and trying to like teach creativities can be kind of tricky i think overall too yeah you
2: know and and some people are afraid like um or they they doubt themselves and they say you know i i'm not a trained artist i've never been very good at painting or drawing or or photography um but again like any instrument like a like a guitar or a piano you don't just sit down and sort banging out Mozart or Beethoven, you need to practice it. And it's the same with the camera. The more you carry that thing with you, the more you think in terms of pictures and the better you you become, the more developed your eye becomes.
1: Yeah. So so would you say when you're out taking pictures, are you more of like a documentary kind of photographer that you photograph everything or do you kind of zero in a little bit on one or two details?
2: Great question. Great question. So for a little while, uh, I was all about just nature and the natural world. And like, I would go out of my way to not include a human being in a photograph. Mm. Uh, and then later in my career, I started to learn that if I incorporated human elements into a scene, um, there was actually more visual interest more universal appeal Uh, and as a side product they became more commercially successful so they sold better Um, but also just creatively speaking they were just more interesting to have uh, a peer going off into the distance on a horizon with a guy in a red jacket at the end was just more visually appealing than without so, I started to incorporate human elements into my landscapes. Um, and then I think, in addition to that, it's important to show uh, tighter compositions of detail. So, maybe the rope that is, you know, docking the boat on the pier as a close up that helps to tell part of the story. Uh, so I like to think of myself in terms of like a visual storyteller. If I'm selling this piece to a magazine, um, it's not just about the, the hero shot, the the one photo, uh, you need to have those smaller details as well. Have you ever done photojournalism? Yeah. Yeah. That's really how I started. Uh, I started working as a sports photographer for a newspaper. And um, I was doing, like, high school and college sports, and it was great. You know, one day I'd be shooting football. The next day, soccer, field hockey. Uh, The next day, I'd be, like, in a gymnasium doing volleyball. So it was always different. Um, And then from there, they said, hey, Chris, uh, the the main guy called out sick. Do you think you can go photograph, um, you know, this guy as they lead him out of prison? And I was like, oh, you know, I was kind of scared. But I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. And within like a few weeks, that turned into a whole new path for me uh, where I, I needed to start cutting back on, on hours at my customer service job so that I could spend more time doing photography for the newspaper. Uh, and the, the tide sort of shifted there.
0: And that's really how I got my start. Yeah, the reason I asked that was, is, um, you brought up like storytelling and everything. And I, it kind of sounded to me like almost like photo essays with, you know, ph- photojournalism. You know, you get the supporting detail shots and everything between there. So, yeah, it's really cool.
2: Yeah, it, it's important. And, you know, a cool thing that I see now, like a big trend, uh, obviously, with people using drones, um, you know, getting like overhead shots as part of your story, I think is valuable. Um, even if you don't have a drone, if you could just get up high um you know and get like an overhead sort of perspective uh i think that really helps uh if you look in like nat geo you'll often see shots from way above uh and i, I also really believe in the value of like getting down and dirty laying down in the dirt and, and getting that sort of perspective um especially for landscape photography uh, i think it's a great perspective so
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: all tripod also
0: helps too, you know. Uh-huh. And, with, and with no center column, you can pretty much get both those perspectives <laughs> pretty well. Yeah, I actually went out of my way to find a,
2: a tripod with no center column because yeah. I wanted that thing to get as low to
0: the ground <laughs> as possible. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, me too. Same here. <laughs> I got spoiled once I realized this exist.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so one of the places that... Uh, this is kind of a personal thing like one of the places that really caught my eye about where you've lived over your times is uh yosemite um just because i'm actually mm. going there in two weeks so um two weeks from now i'll be there so can you tell us a little bit about That's your awesome yosemite experience
2: absolutely yeah so my first visit to yosemite was in 2005 like way early in my career uh i had just transitioned to digital photography from film um, so I was really excited about that. And man, I got to Yosemite and I was just floored, like mouth agape. <laughs> you have to be kidding me. Like these, this is not real. Like when I, I'll never forget as you come through this place called tunnel view, uh, just literally gasping for breath. As I saw the view for the first time, spectacular. So you're in for a real treat, Henry. It's, it's quite amazing. Um, so I get out there and I shot, I, I camped there for two weeks and I loved it. And I was just out all day and night photographing. So it had a special place in my heart already. Um, and then I think it was around 2018 or so, I applied to the Ansel Adams Gallery uh, as a teacher. And they were like, hey, thanks so much, but we don't really have anything right now. Um, and then sure enough, like a year later, they got back to me and they were like, come on down. Wow. <laughs> what are the chances of that? So, and that's the thing. So I think that's an important point though, because like as photographers, we need to put ourselves out there. Like I told the story about when I was a sports photographer and then I started shooting photojournalism with news I was scared at first. It was sort of outside of my comfort zone, but I did it anyway. And with Yosemite, I just put myself out there and I said, here I am, you know, and they said no at first, right? They were like, we don't have anything. I could have taken that as a rejection, but I said, oh, all right, well, keep me on file. And sure enough, it turned into something. So you have to put yourself out there. Um, so they said, come on down. I I literally, I was living in New York at the time, I sold my house, um, (laughs) and I moved across the country, I packed all my belongings into a small car, just drove across the country, and I taught photography there for like, maybe four months, it was amazing. I mean, I'm living in the shadow of Yosemite Falls, and I'm teaching oh people gosh. from all over the world. Yosemite is visited by 5 million people a year. And they're not just Americans, they're from all over. Uh, and they all have different experience levels and different cameras and different interests. But they're all after basically the same thing. Um, cap- capturing like Ansel Adams sort of vision, right? everyone is looking for these postcard shots of Half Dome, El Capitan, Yosemite Falls, Bridal vale Falls, and and that's cool. And I, I would help them achieve that, but I would also try to challenge them to create something that was special to them uh, beyond the postcard moments. Postcard moments are great, but what about something that speaks to you? Um, maybe it's a blade of grass that's lit from behind. Maybe it's a coyote that's kind of nestled in the tall grass or a butterfly like weed. Land- a uh, quieter moments in nature that are a little more introspective than the big bold postcards.
1: Yeah and kind of get in those universal images that aren't necessarily always tied to the location so you can kind of carry them with you as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, because Yosemite is a spectacular wilderness. You know, It's not just about what Ansel shot. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a unique challenge for me where like part of my job was to get the gallery images for their Instagram and Facebook feeds. And they would send me out on a daily basis in the same area at high noon. And it's like, all right, well, what can I do at high noon when the light is terrible yeah. and I'm in the same area every day? And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like being in a parking lot in Kmart. Well, can I create something here? Yes, it's Yosemite, but the light sucks right now. (laughs) And I'm in the same spot that I was in yesterday. So how can I make this work? And it really challenged me to grow and to just sort of expand my vision.
1: Yeah, working.
0: I would say, yeah, there's a lot of pressure there when you're just walking the same footsteps as Ansel to take the you know the big like you said postcard worthy shots but yeah it's really neat that you kind of broke the mold there and taught people other
1: and even pressure from social media as well too with Yosemite being like one of the most photographed locations I'm sure there was a lot there as well
2: for sure and you know the cool thing was like although that place is so highly visited If you get out during different times of day, so like when I wasn't teaching in the gallery and I was on my own, uh, I would go back to places after the sun had already set. And I would be like alone in, say, Cook's Meadow, which is uh, one of the most famous meadows because it's right in the middle of um, Yosemite uh, Falls, Upper and Lower Falls. So I would like camp out there. set on my tripod and just wait and just spectacular things would happen. And I would be alone in this majestic mountain at Yosemite. um, As like the stars sort of twirled above and the full moon lit up the waterfall and like a lunar rainbow appeared. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. I can't believe I'm here right now.
1: Yeah. I think what really separates the, great photographers is the ability to go out at weird hours of the day when it's not convenient, but it ends up producing great shots, so.
2: Yeah, I know you guys did a podcast on uh, time of day, you know, in the magic hour, Um, and that's Mm -hmm. absolutely essential when it comes to landscape photography, but I try not to limit myself to that. Like, you know, going out at high noon maybe it's a better time for black and white photography because the shadows are harsh and the contrast is different. So you get like a more moody uh, photograph. And often I would find that when the light was bad, that was an ideal time to shoot in black and white. Yeah, I find um, that. But you know, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and the benefit in shooting in black and white too is uh, you don't see as much digital noise because noise is sort of red, green, and blue. So it hides the noise uh, if you were shooting at super high ISOs.
0: So over that four months, like how many people did you teach like on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Uh, i hundreds. You know, I, I
2: I lost count because some of the groups would be like 20 and 30 people. Um and you know, like I said, all different cameras, different skill levels, uh, different accents, people from all over. So it was quite fascinating and uh, I loved it. And, and like one of my sort of goals would be if I could get people lying down in the grass, you know, in Cook's Meadow, photographing Yosemite Falls from different angles and just giving them things to think about, um, I was happy, you know, and usually it was uh, like an hour to an hour and a half. And we would cover so much in that time. And uh, Sometimes people would then book like privates with me and I would take them out, specially like later in the evening or whatever. So it just led to other opportunities. And I would find that like the more I put into my teaching, the more everyone would get out of it. So I just tried to just, you know, pour my heart into all the classes. I loved it. Awesome.
0: That being off the grid so to speak really helped your creativity as well. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, one of the benefits was, um, my house, my little,
2: um, like cottage or whatever you want to call it, was situated on the Merced river, which is the, the big river that cuts through Yosemite national park. Um, so I would just hang out in the backyard and photograph and just write in my journal. Um, And, I mean, it it was a spectacular, like, spiritual healing place. It really served me quite well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So after four months, did they let you go, or did you just kind of step away from it? So I could have stayed there
2: forever. Um, I had a job there. I loved it. The people were nice. Um, But what happens is um, in autumn, snow comes, and (laughs) – The park is not nearly as visited, uh, so tourism slows down quite a bit. I had an opportunity to do some other things, um, so that kind of leads to the next chapter of of my life, which was a a humongous jump and a leap, uh, which was moving to New Zealand. So as much as I loved it in Yosemite, um, I opted to make sort of a bigger move.
1: So you want to go into that a bit? Your move to New Zealand?
2: Yeah. So I had taught a photo workshop in New Zealand um, a couple of years back in the North Island, in, in a place called Hawkes Bay. Uh, Hawkes Bay is mountainous, yet also near oceans. Little um, waterfalls and scenery and vineyards and and all that. So it's quite pretty. Um, And there's also some cities nearby, like Wellington and and all that. So it's quite a special and unique place. And I taught some photographers here for about two weeks, and I absolutely fell in love with the place. Um, Long story short, I met my partner here, and we decided that we would move the whole family to New Zealand. And I figured... um, I would teach photography in New Zealand. So I created the, the NZ Photo School, uh, New Zealand Photo School. And I do basically what I did in New York and Yosemite, but here in New Zealand. I teach people either in one-on-one lessons or group lessons, or even on Zoom, um, how to take better pictures, how to edit their photos in Lightroom, how to organize their computers. And it's been spectacular. Uh, and I happen to arrive, right before the world sort of went haywire with the pandemic, Hmm. uh, which was just luck because um, as you've probably seen, New Zealand was very lucky. Um, We didn't really get into a whole big lockdown and all of that. So uh, I was out photographing and and teaching people throughout the year, which has been really lucky and amazing.
1: Awesome. So what would you say were like, one of the biggest challenges moving over here?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, without a doubt, the biggest challenge is, uh, being so far from family and friends. Uh, I mean, it's a different day right now than it is for you guys. It's a different season. It's spring for you. It's autumn for me. Uh, it's Tuesday for you. It's Wednesday for me, different times of day and all that. So, uh, that's really hard, but thankfully with technology, FaceTime video calls and all that, I can stay in touch with my family and friends. The other thing was just as a New Yorker, as an American, starting a business in a new country um, is a unique challenge. And I, I still have clients in the States. So all of a sudden I had to figure out how to create like an international business where I'm accepting money from people in the States into an American account and, and in New Zealand and a New Zealand account. So I just had to set up like this whole new infrastructure Uh, And that took time. That was a challenge.
1: I can't even imagine. It's quite the transition. But it seems like it's uh, been very successful for you. So congratulations.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, It's been so cool because, listen, I mean, for me, like, I've always just wanted to do something that was meaningful and worthwhile and helped other people in their lives. And for some people, like, the most obvious example of that would be, like, being a doctor right when you're a doctor you're you're physically helping people or maybe mentally helping people and that's amazing so the thing is i feel like the arts are similar in that you're just helping people's souls and their creative abilities and that's Mm -hmm. just as powerful as their body you know i mean you could argue maybe not in in some instances but but Really, at the heart of it, I I think it is equally as important. Uh, So if I'm able to teach a mother how to photograph her children better, that's going to lead to a lifetime of memories, uh, photographs, and just wonderful experiences for her and her family. So to me, that's special.
1: I just wanted to jump in here and say that Chris is actually offering 10% off his photography mentoring sessions at nzphotoschool.com exclusively for the podcast listeners here so you can use promo code no limits that's no limits with no spaces so it's n-o-l-i-m-i-t-s use that on the website nzphotoschool.com and you could get 10 percent off his very helpful photography mentoring session Uh, so thanks chris for this lovely opportunity for our listeners and let's get back to the podcast Mm -hmm. what do you think like
0: draws you to teaching people
2: So the first thing was I wanted to be able to give people clear information that I was having trouble finding when I first started. Because when I first started, it was like the argument was like, is digital or film better? You know, and people would fight, you know, on either side of the argument. Um, Or, you know, there was like a lot of misinformation online where people would be these like, proclaimed experts saying you know you should never do this or you should you know never center your composition or, or whatever or uh, you should always use a UV filter whatever it may be they were like really adamant and firm in their opinion and and people would buy into it oh yes you know this supposed expert said that I should never use a UV filter and I was like, you know what like that's just not accurate it's misleading. And in some instances they were selling products under the guise of like teaching. And I was like, that's just really misleading. So I wanted to be able to be like a voice of reason that I'm I'm not selling a product. I'm not affiliated with any other company. You know, I don't work for Canon or whatever. So if I'm telling you (laughs) that like, you know, you can take amazing pictures with a, a Canon rebel from six years ago that you got used somewhere like, I'm not making any affiliate money. Uh, I'm just telling you from my own experience the truth. Uh, so I wanted to be able to bring people like an honest, educated opinion uh, so that they can get, so that they could find their creative vision and, and speak their truth through their camera without any strings attached.
0: Hmm. It's very refreshing because I feel like people might view this sort of like workshop leaders I guess is like used car salesmen like they're trying to like offer a product or service but you're just kind of like no frills and you just want to teach them to take the better photos and
2: yeah yeah I don't do like you know ads or sponsored you know posts or whatever I just keep it like it's me um you know Uh, I just wanna help people get the best possible results. And I love what I do. I'm I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. And to this day, I I can't believe where photography has led me. It's been something I could have never, ever planned. That's just happened. Opportunities come my way. uh, What drives me to take those opportunities? Um, You know, the thing is, when opportunities come your way, they're rarely presented in a way that you thought that you were prepared for. So like when I got the job at Yosemite, I didn't realize I was going to have to like sell my house and move across the country and, and all that, like in two weeks time, or when I moved to start the school in in, uh, in New Zealand, that I'd be on the opposite side of the world than my friends and family. So like they don't always present themselves in the most straightforward manner. So I I just think that taking risks is so important. Um, And often when you take a risk, the reward is great. And sometimes as artists, we need to kind of be in a position where our back is against the wall and we're challenged and it's scary and we're like, wait a second what am I going to do? How how do I fix this? How do I, how do I make this happen? And I think when that sort of presents itself, it makes us better. We grow outside of our comfort zone. So if I'm photographing sports, the things that I learned photographing sports are going to help me in my nature photography or portrait photography. It's all sort of related. Um, I'll give you an example. As a teacher, I, I was, hired to do this big workshop in the mediterranean and it was a hundred passenger ship like a a super fancy yacht through the mediterranean for two weeks and i'm like man these people are going to have amazing cameras they're going to have like the top of the line everything so i i created all these like pretty advanced presentations with you know breaking down histograms and the importance of like white balance and, and working with exposure and, and all these different things. Right. And I get on the ship and I meet the people and half of them were using phones. Hmm. And there were some people with DSLRs and some with point and shoots and some with mirrorless cameras, but a huge percentage were using phones. And I was like, Whoa, my presentations are way too technical for these people. <laughs> and this is, this is a problem. So like, I felt like my back was against the wall. So I literally went into my cabin, (laughs) I shut the door and I broke out my laptop and created a new presentation called the 14 secrets of great photography. And it was non-technical. It was stuff that anybody could apply to their photography no matter what camera they were using. Um, And I gave that presentation to the whole ship it went super well. And I ended up turning that into a book. uh, And I've given that talk, you know, in various places, and it's been a big, successful sort of uh, presentation. And it was because I was in a place that was outside of my comfort zone, back against the wall. And sometimes that's just how you grow.
1: Yeah, when you're under pressure to create, usually, you get the best product out of it.
2: It seems like it. it can be, you know, it can be one of the ways to create, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: so it's neat it seems how like the technology.
0: Choose... Okay, it seems neat. It's neat how the uh, technology, as it gets more accessible, photography is like a universal language, you know, and so people can take great pictures with the phone. They don't really need a DSLR necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Um, you know, granted, with the phone, maybe you don't have as much resolution or as much cropping forgiveness and all of that. Um, But ultimately, it does get back to, you know, emotions don't need interpretation. And um, it it doesn't matter if you're photographing beauty, decay, chaos, peace, the camera reveals truth in a way that we can all understand. Uh, And, and it doesn't matter if that's a DSLR or a phone.
1: Yeah. So it seems like you shoot like a, a great variety of genres. Do you, do you have any favorites? Like, would you say nature is your favorite or do you just kind of.
2: Uh, good question. I, so I love nature for sure. Um, and I don't go out necessarily for the pictures. Like I go out for peace of mind. Like there, there are times I'm just like, you know, I just want to take a walk in, in solitude, in nature and listen to the sound of the river. And if I happen to get a great shot, awesome. But if I come home empty-handed, so be it. At least I got out there and took a a beautiful walk. Um, So I do love nature, but I also love photographing air shows. They're fascinating. Like, talk about, like, heart-thumping energy. Uh, When you're photographing an F-18 screaming down the, the coast, at 500 miles an hour with vapor clouds bursting around its its wings mm. it's powerful so i love that uh, i love photographic sports um, so those are some of my favorites i i also really enjoy macro photography uh, it's pretty cool to explore the world through a small you know detailed look
1: Yeah. I think, I think many people like many pros will say that you need to like niche down to like one style of photography to be successful, but I think you proved them wrong for sure. You can really
2: diversify yourself. That was interesting. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, when I was first building my website, that was like a big thing where people were like, you know, you should only show like the work that you want to do. And, and there's some value in that. Um, but i just feel like labeling yourself is limiting yourself so i didn't want to call myself you know a landscape photographer or a portrait photographer because that's just super limiting uh, so i'd rather call myself like a visual detective you know i'm here to uncover truth with my camera you know and whatever that leads me to it leads me to and i'm open to it
1: yeah. great philosophy
0: yeah, I feel like it's you can get stuck in a rut if you drink matter indefinitely. But um I've been fine that too with my work is just you need to really just find ways to experiment about your comfort zone. For sure.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, like photographing weddings isn't necessarily my cup of tea because it's sort of formulated. Uh, you know, like you have a general shot list that you have to capture, but you know, another way of looking at it is it's also a great opportunity to be exceptionally creative, um, and really set up memories for someone for a lifetime for their whole family history. So it goes back to perspective. Uh, and I I really do believe that your perspective on life, uh, sort of dictates how, how happy you are and also how successful you are as a photographer. Um, and it's funny, I mean, obviously, the, the parallels to perspective in life and in your mind is glaring with the, the perspective of what focal length you're using or, or how you see the world through a camera. So I believe there are a lot of
0: similarities there. That's, that's really neat, yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I actually want to uh, kind of rewind a little bit because I know you talked briefly about your, your stay in New York. Um, I actually found mm-hmm. out about you, Chris, through the New York Institute of Photography. Um, you, you're one of the mentors mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, how'd that all come about?
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's great. It was my first big break. Um, basically, I was, I was uh, a passionate photographer, amateur photographer. Uh, and just to be clear, like, there's nothing wrong with being an amateur photographer. If you look at the word amateur, what it actually means, broken down, is for the love of. And I was taking pictures because I loved it not because I was making money and I was working in a job that I absolutely hated. I mean, it's just no other way of saying it. I know that's not super diplomatic, but I really didn't like this job, but it was paying the bills and I was, you know, not really sure what I was going to do with my life. Uh, But I was passionate about taking pictures. And one day I had a really rough day. Like my boss was coming down on me and I came home and I was just super frustrated and I went online, I think it was Craigslist, <laughs> and I was poking around the web looking for jobs. And I said, oh, let me just look in the photography field. And I see this post. And it's like, hey, we're looking for a photography teacher. Um, you know, so send your resume here. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not really fully qualified. And, you know, all those like thoughts of doubt kind of crept in. And I said, the hell with it. I'm really pissed off, (laughs) I'm just going to submit my resume. And I did, and then I kind of forgot about it. And uh, a few weeks later, I got an email from the dean who was like, hey, come to New York and have a talk with us. So I did, and uh, sure enough, like I worked there for 11 years, and it was amazing, yeah. So I got to quit my customer service job and like, I'll never forget like giving that terrible boss, my like letter of resignation, you know, it was like the greatest day, something out of a movie almost. But like I gave him my resignation and I was like, thanks for everything. Um, But I I got an opportunity I can pass up and it just set me on this new trajectory that has led me here. Wow.
1: Yeah. It's going back to what you said of those, random opportunities that you may not expect just appearing one day and, you know, changes your life forever. So.
2: Yeah. I'm taking chances, you know, like on paper, like I, I didn't think I had the qualifications, but you know, it would have been me limiting myself. So it goes back to that whole thing, like labeling yourself as limiting yourself. So like, you know, not letting doubt take over or fear take over and doing it anyway, that's where <laughs> um, taking risks can become rewards.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, know. I mean, yeah. just to see your, your whole, I mean, you've been all over the world, you've seen all these things, you photograph different genres all across the board. Yeah, that's just, that's just really... a lot of people that too you now just your resume i guess
2: thank you i mean you know i i couldn't have planned it that way uh, i did not get a degree in photography um you know i i don't necessarily uh have the best gear or anything like that i've just i'm passionate about it i've worked hard and i put myself out there so that's like the biggest piece of advice i would give to people who want to like make photography their career is get in positions that scare you and do it anyway um and you know when i was out in new york uh, i was terrified of photographing people on the streets Uh, like the idea of turning my camera onto a stranger and photographing them was like sickening to me because i'm you know (laughs) i was all about like photographing as i said like you know, a swan or a goose or something, this beautiful lake. And here I am in Manhattan and the, there's just people pulsing all around me and, and it's just insanity. And it was super interesting and I really wanted to capture it, but I was scared. And, you know, I didn't know if someone would like punch me in the face or, or, what, you know, so I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to do it anyway. And I stepped out of that comfort zone and I started shooting street scenes in black and white. It was terrifying and also exhilarating all at the same time. Um, And, you know, the idea was basically to capture life in its unplanned imperfection. So I would shoot from the hip. And when I would do it, I would like feel my heart beating. Uh, Like I could just, you know, sort of like photographing an air show. The energy was just so great. So I knew I was kind of on the right track because, um, you know, anytime you feel that sort of exhilaration, um, I just feel like it's a good sign. So, uh, I would photograph these people on the streets and it turned into like this whole series of, of street photography
0: that I'm really pleased with. It's almost like that exhilarating feeling you're describing. It's like your gut and it's going to scare you, but you got to do it, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to overthink it, you know, like, there
2: are times when I'm driving the car and I'm like, oh man, look at that scene. And like, you know, you just kind of flip on the blinker, slow down, pull into the shoulder safely and take the shot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you start thinking about like, well, maybe there's a better spot up there to pull off and is this the right look you know, you just overthink it and, and you screw it up. So I like to just kind of get out of my own way and listen when my mind says there's something here Just listen to that and then figure it out afterwards. So that connection between like your brain and your finger on the shutter is important. And I think a lot of people put walls up in between that connection. They overthink it and then they miss the moment. So um, I I do teach that in in a workshop. Um, And and basically it's this. It's you're walking along and, and something intrigues you at that moment, it's time to pause, bring the camera to your eye and and shoot it. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of just, well, is the light good? Uh, what's my aperture right now? Um, You know, what about my white balance? So like, it's sometimes the technical stuff or the gear gets in the way. Uh, sometimes it's your own doubt and it just creates this wall. And then you just don't take the photo because you've overthought it. So what I like to do is, you know, if, if something intrigues me, I capture it. And then later, that's where the evaluation happens. When I dump all the photos into Lightroom, that's when I'm like, oh, that's why I was interested in that. Um, you know, this whole scene is, is all green and there's this one red piece of clothing on a clothesline or whatever, and that's sort of interesting or whatever it may be. And maybe I don't even know what drew me in until a couple of years later. Like there are times I look back at shots that I've taken years ago and I'm like, now I understand what spoke to me about that moment. So you have to kind of sit with images for a while before you, you ultimately get their full meaning. Uh, At least that's been the case for me. Mm
1: -hmm. And also like, I think it's really important to not shoot what you might think would get lights, likes on social media, but rather shoot exactly what you see, you know, exactly what
2: catches your eye, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. I absolutely uh, agree with you. Uh, in fact, in the few instances where I've said to myself, I think this one is going to sell really well. It was the opposite. It's usually the photo that I don't expect that does better. And if, even if you look at like a a lot of, um, like musicians, like I've heard so many bands talk about, we just kind of threw this song on and we didn't really think anything of it. And that's the song that's like their number one hit, (laughs) you know? So you just have to shoot what interests you do. What you believe is, you know, visually cool. And, Maybe people will connect with it, maybe they won't, but at least it made you feel good doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like you create for yourself first and foremost, and then just hope the audience likes it. Yeah, and they may never get it.
2: I mean, look at Van Gogh. You know, he sold, what, one painting while he was alive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, but (laughs) I mean, history shows, you know, sometimes people don't get it until long after the fact, and, and that's okay. But um, as photographers, we have the ability to do personal projects. We have the ability to do commercial projects. So, you know, maybe you work for a newspaper and you shoot photojournalism and you get the record shots of the politicians cutting the ribbons and all that. I mean, Ansel Adams did plenty of commercial work that nobody knew about while he was also doing the landscape work that he eventually became
0: famous for. Yeah. What would you say are, like, your inspirations overall, photographers or anyone else?
2: Um, great question. Thank you. So I, I really believe in, like, cross-training, um, and I don't just mean it in a physical sense, but, like, mentally, too, and, and inspiration-wise. Um, so it's not just photographers. I'm a passionate music lover, um, and I, I also just love the arts, whether it be films painters, um, musicians, of course, Um, I really like Tim Burton movies. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, and I find that as far as photographers are concerned, um, the ones that really inspire me most. uh, So first is Ernst Haas. Ernst Haas had a quote that blew me away. And it it was, uh, there is you and your camera. The limitations in yourself are within you. Uh, I'm sorry, the limitations in your photography are within you for what we see is what we are. And that broke me out of this box that I was in when I first got started where I was sort of like a light snob. I would only go out at a sunrise or sunset during the magic hour. And I was like, always oh, well, there's no clouds tonight. It's kind of a clear night or whatever. So this is not ideal. And Ernst Haas's quote was like, "Hey, you're you're basically limiting yourself. What are you doing? You know?" And that just broke me out, and it allowed me to expand, uh, to shoot all day long with the idea of creating something anyway. So I thought that was really important. And then his work, like the book *The Creation*, is just a masterpiece. Uh, if you get a chance, it's kind of hard to find on Amazon, but you could probably Google it and, and see some of the images that way. Um, so I love Ernst Haas. I also really of course enjoyed Ansel Adam's work. Uh, Elliot Porter and his detailed looks at nature were pretty spectacular for me. Uh, and then there was another photographer more recently uh, his name was his name is Jim Brandenburg and Brandenburg worked for National Geographic for a long time he took like a million photographs. And through his own admission, he got kind of burnt out. He was just feeling like tired and, you know, taking so many pictures and he'd been all over the world and he was just feeling a little creatively uninspired. So he did this project, a personal project where he only allowed himself to take one photo a day, Mm -hmm. not like 10 photos and picking the best, but like one click of the shutter a day for 30 days. Um, And in this project, what happened was like he reconnected with his passion for photography and he found ways to show not necessarily the postcard of the rainbow, but like the raindrops on a raven's feather. And he just reconnected with his love of nature and photography and it brought him back to his passion. So I really like Brandenburg's work. Uh, So those are just a few. There's so many others, though. Uh, I could go on
0: and on. We would run out of time. (laughs) <laughs> you're good yeah i, I can vouch for uh, elliot porter He's, his book is incredible
2: mm-hmm. he is yeah yeah what he did was not easy like he he would photograph the forest floor and you would think that's sort of an easy thing to do it's actually quite difficult to do it well so he had this amazing way of bringing attention to smaller details in nature and finding order in chaos that's pretty remarkable
1: Mm-hmm. And back then, I'm sure, shooting on film with the depth of field and all of that it was probably very challenging.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're pretty lucky now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> his his early bird shots, too, are some of like the first like frozen in motion wildlife photography <laughs> as well. Kind of an industry leader in that department as well.
2: Absolutely. Really beautiful. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the last just changing uh, sort of genres. Uh, I really liked um, Gary Winogrand who did a lot of street photography in New York. Um, He had a really unique way of of photographing people and kind of showing people's personalities in a candid way. Uh, Of course, Henry Cartier-Bresson, you know, sort of the godfather of photography Um, and, and, it's pretty amazing to me that we can go on YouTube and watch like a 45 minute documentary of Brisson talking about photography today. Um, if you haven't done that, it's worth doing. Cause he, he has quite an interesting
0: perspective on it. It's pretty amazing. I know in our previous podcast episode, we talked about creative projects. Um, and you brought personal projects at the beginning. Henry and I have done a three like photo series. Have you done one of those? Yeah, yeah, I love photo series. Uh, and the cool thing
2: is with Lightroom <laughs> and just being able to make like collections and just organizing your photos that way, it makes it really easy to keep track of. So I did a whole series of uh, country living. Uh, when I lived in the Berkshire Mountains for a while, and it was like the coldest winter I've ever experienced, but so spectacularly beautiful. And I was just trying to document how people lived kind of off the grid in the country when like the GPS signal cuts out and there's no Wi-Fi and you're left to your own devices. And these people would set up their barns and their homes in such charming ways. And I would drive around with my snow tires on, with my camera in my front seat, and just be moved by how beautiful these scenes were. So I did a whole series on that. Uh, I'm doing something now on, on the sky. Uh, I call it Mm. cloak of heaven. Uh, It's just like different ways that the clouds appear and and the different shapes and patterns uh, that happen right from my backyard. I'm just using a telephoto lens. It's like a, you know, 100 to 300 millimeter lens. And I'm focusing on like, you know, specific areas of the sky. And it's pretty fascinating what is out there. So just a couple that I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to seeing the results in the Sky one. It's really cool.
2: Yeah, I'll keep at it. I mean, that's the thing with, with personal projects. I mean, there's no deadline. It could keep going for years. Who knows?
0: Yeah. As long as, long as you want it, you know, to last. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, have any other projects or anything else? Um, so for me, Right
2: now it's um, it's about connecting with people both in New Zealand and and in the States uh, and and really helping I see like a major sort of issue with photographers and and like computers that are just a disaster for lack of a better term like photos on memory cards, flash drives. Um, external hard drives, computer hard drives that are about to crash because they're so packed with data. So it seems like people are really struggling with image organization. Um, So I'm trying to help people through teaching Lightroom and and how to create a good workflow and a backup and something that makes sense for them. Um, That's one thing I'm working on. And then of course, just teaching the joys of photography. Um, It's, You know, some people get so frustrated because cameras are sophisticated now, especially now that like mirrorless cameras are becoming more prevalent. Um, They're amazing, but they are mini computers and not everyone is really computer savvy. So it's frustrating to people. And I'm trying to sort of simplify and show people the art of photography and the joy of photography. And it doesn't have to be this mind bending, painful experience. It should be fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's great so,
1: philosophy. So,
0: so, yeah, what is there any uh, yeah, the episode here? Is there anything you want uh, listeners to take away from uh, our talk today?
2: Well, I feel like, you know, since everyone has a camera in their pocket, um, I think a good question to ask is, like, well, what do you want to share with the world? Mm-hmm. And that answer may evolve over time, you might not have it right now. And that's okay. Uh, Like we were talking about earlier, I don't think you should limit yourself in any one genre of photography. So be open to exploring uh, different types of photography and just literally exploring your own neighborhood with your camera. And I think you'll find that anything is possible. um, As I found in my own career. Now, if you're feeling lost, in your pursuit of photography, really don't sweat it. Sometimes we need to get lost. We need to wander in order to find the right path. Um, So keep that in mind and don't lose heart. This is a lifelong journey. It's definitely, you know, not a sprint. It is a marathon. This is something you can do for the rest of your life. Um, So I've been doing it for 25 years and I'm still super passionate about it. I love it. Uh, And it's just so great to be able to come on here and and chat about it with you guys and and share this with other people. So if there's anything I can help with, I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm sure my website will be in the notes. It's just nzphotoschool.com. But thank you guys so much. This is really fun.
0: Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.